Welcome to Pocket Grandpa. Uh, my name is Jerry. I'm the grandpa. My grandson Liam is here with me. And um, it was Liam's idea to start a podcast because uh, he wanted to learn some wisdom from the older generation. And I thought it would be good to learn about what the younger generation is thinking. So we decided to put this podcast together. We're going to discuss a variety of, of uh, topics from music to politics to everything in between. And we hope you enjoy it and we'd love some feedback. So without further ado, we hope you enjoy the podcast. So I was thinking, Liam, for today's topic, I'd like to talk about something I saw on the internet the other day. And it was, it was pretty interesting to me. Um, it was about uh, a phrase called, okay, boomer. Oh yeah, I've heard of that. You've heard of it. Mm -hmm. And so what it was, I saw, I saw it on the internet on my homepage and I, and I clicked on it. And it's a phrase apparently demeaning uh, baby boomers, anybody, which is anybody born from like 1946 to 1964. Okay. And the, apparently the millennial generation uh, doesn't have a lot of use for us old folks. <laughs> now that, I'm generalizing, but you know, as, uh, it's a thing now, it's, it's a trend, okay boomer. And it showed a video of, of how they think it started and it was in parliament over in London. And uh, this lady PM was speaking and somewhere off camera was uh, apparently a baby boomer who interrupted her and she stopped mid-sentence and just turned and said, okay, boomer, real sarcastic-like. And that's apparently what started this thing of like, yeah, you know, settle down, old man type thing. Um, so I was curious, since we are, this is a conversation between generations, and you are a millennial, and I am a boomer, of... Um, what your thoughts were on that? What you, you know, what your people you know, your friends, uh, do they ever talk about anything like this about when older folks in the boomer generation say something or when you see something on the news, do they discredit it because it's somebody older and they figure they're just too old to know what's going on right now or what? Well, yeah, I've seen, um, I've seen a lot of that um, in memes, especially, you know, um, jokes about okay boomer when it comes to anything that someone's saying um it's a way to discredit someone um like you were saying uh it's used a lot in that kind of joke culture and mm -hmm. meme culture but real world i haven't heard too many of the people i know saying it i know that people do use that though um in real world applications um to discredit people I think it's a funny joke, um, but I, I don't think it should be used in that way. Um, well, of, course, of course, when I saw it, it was in a political situation, right. you know, in, in the parliament in London. Uh, but uh, I don't think it necessarily has to be political. It can be anything anybody says, anything a boomer says. Exactly. That um, if a millennial is in the room or there's a room full of them and a, and a, and a boomer's talking to them, that even an eye roll could be considered as <laughs> you know. exactly and it doesn't make any difference that they're talking about politics or, or you know anything right 
I, I, I think it's a way to just discredit an older generation. Yeah, um, I do too. Beyond its application is a joke. Um, and see, see, that didn't happen with my generation. I mean, it did in a way. When I think back of the 60s and the Vietnam demonstrations and stuff like that. Right. Yeah, there was a lot of that kind of attitude. Um, yeah, there was a lot of it. And um, now that I think back on it. But we didn't have a, a necessarily... Well, there was a phrase called, never trust anybody over 30. That sounds like OK Boomer to me. Yeah, it's, in a, a, way. it's, a, lot, it's, a, it's a lot like it. Yeah, right. now that we talk about this, it's coming back to me. So it sounds like it has almost a sociological trend. Yes, like it's, I it's think something it's that's been, yeah. it, it seems new to us, but that undercurrent, the, the real reason for it has been prevalent throughout our society. Yeah. Um, and I think it has to do a lot with um, just challenging authority, you know, especially uh, younger groups. Um, want to challenge authority you know that's that's their that's their role in a society you know yes. in in order for a society to progress there has to be challenge and usually you always see that between um you know older groups um well, and kids challenge their parents right the exactly even yeah even at that micro level of yeah when they get three years old they exactly challenging their really it's really <laughs> it's just a broadened version of challenging authority mm-hmm. and not to say that there's no reason to i i i do think there is a reason to challenge authority especially in society yeah. um, and that is how we've moved forward um as a country uh, throughout the, you know, centuries. Um, well, I mean, we touched on this uh, when we were having a conversation another time about how um, there are, less, in my mind, legitimate concerns about what my generation is left for your generation and, and uh, the lack of tools you have to work with because you've got a bunch of old people still in the government. Now, we're getting younger people all the time. But I think until, until all the old folks get replaced in there, uh, on either side, I'm not being political, I'm saying on either side. Right, and, uh, I'm, and the people using that, uh... oh, sorry, my phone just went off. Oh, that's all right, <laughs> it's real. This, is a, this is a real exactly. broadcast here, podcast. Phones go, phones go off all the time. And, phones and, are uh, up, yeah. You silenced yours, I forgot to silence mine. Yeah. Uh, um, let's see. So I think that a lot of that has to do with, um, you know, I mean, replacing the older generations in our, uh, in our government is something that's going to happen. But oh, there well, will eventually, right, always, yeah. But yeah. there will always be the older generations in government. Yeah. Um, and I think that's necessary. It's, um, I was listening to uh, a lecture by Alan Watts, uh, a philosopher back, um, back in, the, in the 1970s, 1960s, mm-hmm. um, maybe 1950s too. Um, and he was describing, um, he used an analogy uh, about conflict as um, an organism, uh, uh, like your body. Um, you know, there are, there's bacteria and and you know and little little things always constantly at war. So you know? he's saying it's natural. It's a natural well, progression. And what he's saying is that um, you know all these things 
all these things inside you are at war. You know, there's good bacteria, bad bacteria, whatever. But if you start choosing sides, if you were able to choose sides, then you um, it wouldn't work. The body depends on that constant um, clash mm-hmm. of, you know, that constant, uh, that battle. Well, yeah, and they were having those battles, the framers of the Constitution, right. too, and they, they right. had those battles all the time. And they intended it to yeah. be a battle, always. Yeah. Because what's conflict at one level, and this is quoting Alan Watts directly, what's conflict at one level can be harmony at another. Mm. Yeah. And that's perfectly exemplified within the human organism, um, because we're we're always in in some sort of conflict. And I guess I wasn't uh, speaking so much to the the amount of of the older generation that runs our country, or you know the the major corporations in the world, uh, as as much as I was speaking to the consequences of decisions they've made on your generation. You see what I'm saying? Global warming is a great one. Right. We knew about this in the 70s. And uh, there should have been decisions made by brave people back then in both uh, the corporate world and in the political world to start dealing with those situations so we don't, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be as in bad a shape as we are right now. Well, and you know, something like that is urgent. Um, it is now. Right. Well, and, you know, one of the things that, one of the downsides of that constant conflict in our society, especially, that's designed to have conflict between, um, you know, whatever parties, um, it's important because it allows for things to go slow Um change can't happen overnight, which can be a good thing or a bad thing. Right now with that, it's a bad thing with what I'm talking about. Well, in certain issues, yes. Um, Especially in global warming, you know, it's something that it's taking a long time. And, you know, with with the change of presidents, with, you know, just opinions in general and and who controls what um, part of the government, it takes a long time and it shouldn't. Um, well, in it's this global respect. now too, right? That's, right. That, that is a you know a situation that's global. It's not just our government or the change in our right. government. So um, it, it's a it's a big problem, and um, it needs a solution. I hope. My hope is that your generation can figure out some solutions, because mine hasn't. Well. And I think some are trying, you know. I think it's not your whole generation. Oh, that's true. I'm, I'm generalizing, yes, right. for sure. And with, with both your generation and mine. It's a generalization. But the thing that's hindering it is the fact that things can't just zoom through our, our um, government, even if they should in, um, in you know, the general public's eyes. Things take time for... And that's a safeguard against abuse of of a government. I mean, you think of you think of uh, governments that have that are uh, you know dictatorships, things like that. Things happen very quickly, but for most of the time, that can be detrimental. 
But let me give you an example of when it did. I think it was the last amendment to the Constitution about being able to vote at 18, 18 years old. And that was right at the end of the Vietnam War. It was like 1973, I think, that this amendment went through, if I remember correctly. <clears throat> and what it did was, I mean, you know, 38 states or something have to ratify it, um, you know, two-thirds of the Congress, the president has to sign off, all that kind of stuff. And they got that through in a year or a year and a half. It was one of those two. It was between a year and a year and a half. That thing got from inception to being passed and law of the land where 18-year-olds could vote. And that was very important back then, especially because I can speak from experience. I went in the Army when I was 17. And um, I got out three years later at 20. I still couldn't vote yet. I couldn't make be any part of the decision of whether I'm going to go to a war or not by right. the people I vote for because I couldn't vote yet. Exactly. But yet, yeah. for three years, I could have been sent to Vietnam and killed and given my life, but uh, with no say in it. And Well, an interesting side note, too. Um, Congress actually never formally approved a war um, no, in Vietnam, but yes, yeah, still they have not since World War Two. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah. It was, it was. I, I guess the correct term was a conflict, but not right officially a war. But still, yeah, that that makes sense. You're serving your country, but you can't yet decide its direction or or help decide its direction. And that that amendment, um, the one um, allowing eighteen year olds to vote. Mm-hmm. I think the reason why it passed was because it was, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, uh, but it seems like there was a general con- population consensus. There was. Like, but there was a draft as well right. before that, see, and that, I think um, that was a lot of the decision. People wanted to be able to vote whether right. they were going to get drafted or not by, you know. And that's something that affected every single American. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, every male, at least at the time. Well, yeah. That's even controversial because a lot of people with money didn't have to go in the service. They they figured ways out of it. Right. Um, it was mostly the middle class to lower middle class that fights in all these wars. Unfortunately. Well. It should be representative of all of America. Right. And I think we should have, speaking of that, coming, this is changing the subject a little bit. Yes, we can do that. We can do anything we want. It's our podcast. Right. <laughs> but, but, you know, changing the subject a little bit, I like the idea of public service, um, a mandatory public service. A lot of countries have that. So it's not necessarily being in the service like the Army or the Navy or the Marine Corps. It's volunteering or, or being, serving a year to help uh, clean up the environment, all kinds of different things we could do. But you serve that year or two years or whatever it turns out to be, and I think it would make people stronger as an individual for doing that, just like being in the service does most of the time. Well, and, you know, Israel has a, um, has a mandatory um, military service. Right. Um, law I'm not talking about military. I'm talking about for right. people who are pacifist right. or somebody that just, you know, is unable physically to, to be a soldier, let's say, or a sailor. Um, there's other things they could do and, and provide a service to the country. We should all be, we're all in this together. But 
I mean, the war goes on like this last one in, in Afghanistan for almost 20 years now. How many people do you know that pay attention to it? It's a little blip on the news once in a while and stuff like that, and less than 1% of the population of this country is actually serving and, and defending the country. And everybody else just goes on about their business, making money, doing their thing, and not having to worry about uh, the people who are maimed or dying other than the relatives of those people and their loved ones. Well, I agree on that everyone going into public service at some point um, yeah. is a good thing. I like that. But I don't think it would work um, policy-wise. People usually don't like to be forced into things. Um, you know, I mean... Nobody liked being forced into the draft. Right, were. exactly. I mean, that's the way but, it was. but it was out of necessity. It was during the war. Sure. You know, when it started, World War II. But... You know, you you saw how many uh, how many people opposed the draft, and I think that if someone's going to try to help the community, they have to do it because they want to. And I, I even though putting more people in public service may help in the short run, I think that a lot of people who are forced to be there, who may have gone there by choice, are going to feel like. Hmm. I feel like it's a chore instead of instead of what they're actually accomplishing. So I, I think we should make it easier for people to help. Um, besides just donating, I think there should be um, a lot more cooperation between civilians and and government um, entities that allow civilians to participate. And um, but being making it mandatory would probably uh, go over poorly especially yeah one of the biggest oppositions in the 60s to the draft was because people didn't believe in that war we weren't attacked like we were in world war ii you know with pearl harbor and that got us into the war um, and people felt a lot more patriotic about doing their civic duty or you know the duty to their country they felt very strong about that, that generation did. By the time my generation came along, their children, um, and then this war starts over there that nobody actually knew why or how. The Gulf of Tonkin situation has been a controversy for ever since the Vietnam War. But nobody talks about it anymore. But we got into that war over a lie. We got into the war in Iraq over a lie. And there again, I'm not being political. I don't care which political side somebody's on. These are the facts. Well, and you were saying about World War II, we were attacked. Mm -hmm. A lot of people wanted to go and fight. So that eliminates the need for the draft. But they still had it. Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. But we would have been just fine without it. Now, Vietnam, we needed the draft because no one wanted to go to Vietnam. That's right. So mandating something making something mandatory goes against the will of the public to make something mandatory implies that not enough people want to do it and if a majority of the people don't want to do it in this country that should mean that it doesn't get done and i i think that instead of forcing um people to do things uh 
we should try education and we should try making pathways open for them easier. But basically what I'm saying is the Vietnam War was something that was very much opposed. Therefore, we needed a draft. The World War II was something that people regularly volunteered. So we didn't need a draft. So if it's mandatory, it usually implies that the public is not in favor of it. Otherwise, it would already be done. Well, but there are a number of things that are imposed on us as citizens. You've got to have a driver's license in every state. Now, it's controlled by each state, but you've got to have a driver's license or you can't drive. You know, there's things like that that people accept. They come to accept because that's the rules, and you've got to have rules. Well, and I think that's less about people having to do something like serve in the military or serve public service and more about uh, guidelines, you know, making something mandatory, um, especially something like a public, public service or, or military or whatever, um, that implies a commitment, you know. And, well, that's, that's where I think right. public service, when I was talking about a, a mandatory public service, two years or one year even, um, you, you need to commit to something. We all have this freedom here. And, you know, it's, it's something kind of rare in this world now, a democracy, a republic, a democratic republic is the most proper way to say it, I think. But to have that, there's a price you got to pay, you know? You need to, well, like you said, in Israel, they, they have a lot of mandatory things they have to do in Israel, and that's for their survival. And if we get too complacent, we're going to run into problems in this country with that. Well, especially after 9-11, a lot of people signed up for, um, <laughs> for military service. For sure, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, paralleling that with World War II, um, you know, again, nowadays, we still didn't need the draft. Even though we went to war in Iraq, um, that's still something we didn't need because a lot of people in the country wanted to. Um, so I think if it has a lot of importance, people will do it automatically. The problem with something like global warming is that people don't have enough information and there's a lot of disinformation out there. Mm. So if we were to educate people and, you know, have them understand the implications, you know, I mean, in a, in a how do you exaggerated... educate people that aren't interested in knowing about it, though? I mean, there, look how many people never watch the news, and there, it's on the news all the time, and, and special programs and stuff about global warming. Um, you know, I mean, forget about it on the news. Look what the weather patterns are doing. The storms are getting stronger, uh, the days are getting hotter, we're breaking records every year. It, it's just, uh, I think it's people ignoring it. They don't want, they want to stick their heads in the sand. Because the information's out there. So how do you educate people uh, that, that aren't interested in knowing what's going on? They don't care, as long as they, they live their life from day to day. You know, I actually, don't think they're as important as the ones that are completely opposing um, 
mm. things having to do with uh, because you know people who stick their heads in the sand, they're they're just they're neutral, mm-hmm. you know. So they don't matter as much as the people who are pushing against legislation to regulate, um, you know, non-renewable resources and things like that. And I think that you know if they don't care either way, then what then we should not focus standing on in the way is what right. You're saying. Exactly, exactly. If they, if they don't, don't care either way, way they're, not they're not standing in the way. And so that'd be a bumper sticker. <laughs> that don't should be a bumper stand sticker. Stand in the way. <laughs> hey, you know what? Maybe we'll uh, maybe once we get a web page up, we'll start selling those uh, those yeah. bumper stickers. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think that more importantly, we have to try to educate the people who are opposed to it um, to the real dangers. But we also have to listen to their their concerns too, um, because you know there are some valid concerns, there are some n- non valid concerns. But either way. It's an it's something important that we need to focus on, and we need to listen to each well, other. Let me ask you this: Does your generation, the people you know and talk to, um, do you think they would be serious about getting rid of um, fossil fuel? Absolutely. For instance, they Absolutely. are. Absolutely. Okay. A lot of um, alternative energy sources. A lot of, of all kinds. Global warming uh, activists are young people, mm-hmm. and I think that goes back to the. Uh, okay boomer that we started this off with it's it's a generational um uh divide you know and the people who in in my generation who are who oppose legislation to combat climate change and global warming usually don't have too much to back it up with usually that's what they hear from uh their parents or uh other people and they're just not that that they don't they don't have a good understanding of it for the most part those people i at least as far as i've met are just repeating what they've heard from their parents um who are also opposed to climate change but for the most part young people have the best understanding as far as i'm concerned as of climate change and global warming well now when you and i decided to do this podcast deal which was your idea, by the way. I think it was a great idea. But um, when we decided to do this, we wanted to try and get feedback. Now, we don't have enough people. We've only put the one out right now. And I think I looked, uh, I think nine people have listened to it. Right, right I did too, yeah. About nine people. But, but um, once we get this to where, and even the nine people, if those same nine listen to this one, I'd like to get some feedback from some of these people. I, that, that's why the whole reason too. we decided to do this was to generate conversations. Right. Not just between you and I, but between generations. And we are establishing our opinions in this episode, um, at least some of them, especially regarding climate change and things like that. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that they're rigid. You know, no. I, I, welcome, I welcome someone uh, who wants to try to convince me otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, so far, especially on the topic of global warming, there's a lot, um, a lot of evidence pointing towards the fact that it's it's imminent and it's you know it's something that we need to do something about. Well, on that but dread, I, on that dreadful note, right? <laughs> but I'd still love to hear someone. Absolutely, and that's why I'd like to hear feedback from folks. So, um, for anybody listening to this, um, if you'd love to give us some feedback, we'd love to hear it, and. Um, and I think we've pretty much gone full circle today. We started with 
Hey Boomer, or okay, Boomer, okay Boomer, and, and we're back to Okay Boomer again in a loop. Well, and so one we, thing I wanted to add yeah. um, before we wrap this up, when it comes to that, when it comes to Okay Boomer, mm-hmm. I think as a joke, it's it's fine. Yeah, but I don't think that generation uh, that age is something to discredit someone's merit based on. So Okay Boomer is fine as a joke, but as an argument in a in a in a debate that's it's very ad hominem you know it's very against it's 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 attacking the person instead of their argument right and that's a fallacy that's just not something you can you can base a credible argument on and i go back to that um you know never trust anybody over 30 that was popular in the 60s again same thing same thing right exactly and you know and that's not true you know a lot of people we need to take wisdom from every angle from every person we can whether they agree with us or whether they disagree with us well and i think it takes uh, a lifetime of of experiences and learning to gain wisdom i don't think that at a very young age you have a lot of wisdom there are wise kids don't get me wrong but um i think that they can have they can be smart and have knowledge but wisdom i think is something that's gained with uh, experiences in your life exactly and the thing and on the opposite end of that relevancy yeah. is is what um is what younger generations can provide yeah so the key is not to discredit the wisdom of older generations but you know take it process it and then apply it mm-hmm. um to what's actually relevant don't discredit them just because maybe they're not as up with um you know what's happening as as uh, a younger person is they can still have some great insights that you can apply that younger people can apply to current events yeah and i think and that's that's one of the reasons why we started this podcast yeah there are things in my generation's uh life especially when it comes to uh tough questions politics philosophy all that that we could use a different perspective and we could use that older generations ideas of on on these on these topics to help us right even if we don't need to take it exactly like it's supposed to be you know we can we can process that wisdom and use it elsewhere that's why i'm proud that you're my grandson because you're so damn smart <laughs> yeah okay boomer <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> all right you want to wrap well, this one up yeah let's wrap this up okay all right well um next time maybe we'll talk about music we, that was going to be one of yeah our that topics. was going to be one of ours that's, i like that that's a good Let, let's uh, yeah and, and maybe go less on a political note for the next one absolutely but still you know it's every everything should be considered yep but All right. right. Well, we will see you next time on Pocket Grandpa, Conversations Between Generations.